The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Let us help you discover the keys to success, the keys to success in your internet marketing. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Marketing Nirvana, presented by CertifiedKnowledge.org, CertifiedKnowledge.org. Overcome the trials and tribulations of the past and let Marketing Nirvana revolutionize your revenue stream and ROI. Prepare to experience Marketing Nirvana right now. Here are your hosts. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of Marketing Nirvana. I'm your host, Brad Geddes, the founder of Certified Knowledge, more marketing training and tool set company designed to save you time and money so you can get back to the rest of your job duties. On this show, we investigate various ways in which your marketing efforts can reach a state of nirvana. You can find show notes and other information about our guests on certifiedknowledge.org. Now, today I have a special guest with me, uh, Mike Nelson, who's the senior SEM manager at PPC Associates. In fact, he was a math teacher in a former life, which makes him very qualified to do paid search. So welcome, Mike, and thanks for being on the show. Hey, Brad. Uh, thanks for having me. Look forward to a, a good conversation today. Excellent. Me too. Uh, now, in fact, uh, for all their listeners, you normally have four show. I put together sort of a rough outline for the show, um, so our guests have an idea of the subjects. They get some thoughts around topics, and everything flows well. And, and usually, this is one or two emails until I started talking with Mike, and, and he was really detailed with what should be covered and, and how to get into things. And in fact, it's this detail which we're going to get through today because we're going to talk about account structure, and and often people don't realize how important a structure is. And just sort of put like an analogy out there. Um, a lot of, of individuals are familiar with the concept of company organization and how as you reorganize a company and different people at different bosses, each with their own agenda, the productivity and goals of the company naturally shift based upon the structure. Paid search is no different. Right? Keywords are governed within an ad group, and ad groups are governed within campaign settings. So the way you structure your ads, keywords, campaigns, and so forth – can have dramatic effects on our success. So when we get into paid search here, you know, Mike, if you can start us off here, we think about structure. Why? Why do you think this is such an important topic when dealing with paid search? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a that's a great place to start before we even talk about you know what a good structure is. Um, in fact, I think it's so important. I made the the claim to one of my clients the other day that it's what separates good paid search from from mediocre paid search. So. When we're kind of attempting to, to ultimately arrive at the goal of, of what a good structure is, we first need to figure out, um, you know, what, what needs it needs to meet. Uh, so I'd say um, in paid search, there's, there's three parties involved. So uh, first, first there's Google. Um, and as it relates to, to account structure, I'd, I'd sort of argue that Google doesn't, doesn't care too much uh, what an individual advertiser does as far as structure. Certainly there are some campaign level or some, you know, maximum number of campaigns that people can have and keyword maximums and things like that. But by and large, um, they don't really play into the, into the conversation of, of what, you know, what a good structure 
uh, accomplishes. Um, a user, what they're looking for as far as a good paid search structure is ultimately um, they're not even aware a lot of times that they're that they're looking at ads and things like that. So what they're looking for is, is really relevance um, as far as the ad goes. So it sort of answers the question, um, whatever question they may be, whether they're looking for, for an iPad or maybe a, an attorney or something of that nature. Uh, and then ultimately, when, when they click on an ad and decide that the ad is relevant, they want to be led to the, the most uh, relevant landing pages. So satisfying these needs, these two needs of, of the user, are really what the advertiser needs to uh, accomplish with, with their good structure. Um, in addition to that, the advertiser themselves needs to have a structure that would control costs subject to their, their budget. Um, additionally, it's going to provide valid data for, for reporting and optimization purposes. Um, Perhaps most importantly, though, it's going to be uh, uh, workflow efficient, and, and this is something that's maybe not talked about as as much as it should be. Uh, I think a good structure needs to accomplish these two goals that, that the user is looking for, relevancy as far as the ad and also sent to the most relevant landing page, but we have to, to make sure that the advertiser structure is, is workflow efficient. So... Um, all of those considerations need to, to kind of be made when we're talking about what are the characteristics of, of a potentially good structure. So I, I actually I think that's a fantastic point, workflow efficient. Um, can you just give an example? I know we didn't talk with this, right? I'm going to break from agenda immediately. But, but can you give an example of what a, a workflow efficient structure looks like or even just one example of how, how it makes a difference? Right. So I think a lot of people um, – for example, are, are buying a lot of keywords. They're having very granular ad groups. Um, you know, they're, they're having a lot of worry and consideration about plurals and, and things like that. And, and all of that is well and good, provided that um, whoever is, is working on the account um, is basically at least full-time. So there's at least one full-time person there. Versus, you know, a lot of people are sort of in the situation where um, – you know, they're working on an AdWords account and maybe they only have 10 hours a week to work upon it and they hear all these articles and they read all these things about how you know, I have to have very granular ad groups and all these other things. But all, all of that improves, um, you know, ad copy alignment with the user's expectations and things like that. But after a while, the quantity of keywords and ad groups in, in campaigns really becomes overwhelming to, to somebody who's only spending maybe a few hours a week on an account and that ends up being very ROI negative. Uh, because there's so much going on, you know, the advertiser doesn't have time to, to really hone in on, on what the important things are. Okay, um, that goes to the, the what you can do versus what you can physically accomplish, which are often right. very different things. Okay, so when you, you think of uh, campaign structures then, right, where most major decisions happens really at first that campaign level, um, what are your typical segments when you think about showing ads at various places? Right. So typically, as, as far as segmentations go, uh, I really like to, to keep it simple by and large. Um, and, and we can talk a little bit more about this uh, further on in the answer. But mostly what I'm doing as far as segmenting out by, by campaigns, I'm looking at um, head terms and I'm looking at tail terms. So, you know, at our company, we call these head terms um, alpha keywords. So, so what these are are really just high volume queries that, that people type in a lot. These, these are the things that are going to result in quite a bit of data. Uh, it's it's going to be accurate data uh, because of the quantity of it. And these are the ones that you can really optimize. And, and, and these, are the, these are the areas where you're really spending a lot of time and your time is, is actually well spent because it's going to result in, in real deltas. Now, there's another set of campaigns, which, which we call them uh, beta. And these are more so uh, 
tail queries. So, um, you know, there might be a lot of broad match in there and there might be kind of a lot of going on, a lot of things going on. There's a lot of clustering. Um, if you look at the individual queries that are mapped to those campaigns though, you know, they all tend to be sort of one click, one impression, one conversion type things, or just very low volume. They're, they're so low volume that it really wouldn't be worth your time or your effort to uh, try to optimize these individual queries that are sent to these tail campaigns because there's not enough data associated with them. In fact, that in and of itself creates a problem. If, if there's no not enough data associated with an individual query or, or um, cluster of queries, which I like to call a class of queries that all share a common characteristics, then you're asking yourself to sort of make a decision on uh, something that's very low volume, and, and mathematically, you simply can't do that. Um, so we have these head campaigns, we have these tail campaigns, we also have brand campaigns. So this would be the, the third segment that we're looking at. Um, I think every advertiser is going to have these to, to some sort of extent. Uh, they're very important. They tend to be uh, positional based. Um, occasionally, we'll also have uh, clients that um, want to take a non-branded keyword or query and, and bid it to a particular position. So. These, again, have, have a different approach than, you know, a brand campaign would have or a tail campaign or a head campaign. They're, they're much more so based on, I just want to show up in a particular position. So we segment those out as well, primarily that, so that we can make um, use of something like a, the Google sort of automated bidding rules. Uh, that's pretty useful in that particular instance. But lastly, it would be the, the content campaigns, obviously. Now, do you start initially by segmenting out computers versus mobile devices, or do you let the data tell you should segment it out? I think it's it's more so the latter, um, but again, it's dependent upon the situation. If if we were running with with a very low budget, for example, and maybe it was an e-commerce client, we we probably wouldn't even start running mobile to begin with, just because the likelihood of success there is is, is very very low. Um, if we're talking about a client that has a very aggressive budget and we really want to get us started on the right foot, uh, then yes, we would probably separate out um, the, the computers bundled with the tablets, since the SERPs by and large show up the, the, the same way for those two devices, and then separately we would have a mobile campaign um, okay. for, for each of these four segments that I discussed, actually five if you include content. Okay, so this has gotten us through campaign settings, our high-level structures. And next, we need to get into the nuts and bolts of the tough decisions around organizing keywords, which we will do right after break. So we'll take a quick break for our sponsors and then return and get through the keyword items. More Marketing Nirvana after we thank our sponsors. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. How far do your ads reach? You don't have to fly around the world for the right consumers and clients to find your business. What you need is profit through performance. Location 3 Media 
helps you to increase your brand's findability and performance. Let Location 3 Media help you create efficient and effective online marketing campaigns that fit your needs and get you results. We know every click starts a journey. Where will your brand be on the path? Visit Location3Media.com. Rise links and web indexes. Take a bow to the largest link map in the world. Majestic SEO. Majestic SEO wields its virtual sort with speed and accuracy to deliver detailed reports of your company's link data and that of your competition. Let Majestic SEO make you your own king of internet marketers and join the crusade of clients and agencies that have chosen the noble choice for link intelligence. MajesticSEO.com Maximize ROI to use your time and let Majestic wield its mighty sword. MajesticSEO.com It's good to be king. Podcasting at the speed of sound. WebmasterRadio.fm The flamethrower. WebmasterRadio.fm We're everywhere. Injecting new life into your internet marketing. Welcome back to Marketing Nirvana, presented by CertifiedKnowledge.org, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we're back talking with uh, Mike Nelson at PPC Associates about account structures. And so, so, so far we've gone through the campaign stuff, but now it's time for the, the tough decisions, organizing keywords. So there's a lot of different ways people do this. Some do it by ad groups, by match types, Others put all their match types into one ad group, and there's a lot of other ways this is really done. So, so Mike, when you start getting into organizing your keywords at the ad group level, what thought process do you go through, or, or what's your best practice? Well, me personally, um, I, I really, again, I like to classify things into two groups. There's, there's query capture, and then there's query kind of optimization, and, and again, that's sort of how I bundle uh, my campaigns. So looking at maybe a, a query optimization type of, of campaign, what we're doing there is, is really running just a lot of exact match. So, so that type of campaign is only going to have exact match. And the reason is it speaks back to, to what the goal of that particular campaign is. There's high volume queries that are coming in there. So we want to have as many one-to-one relationships as we can. So, so that means that when somebody, somebody queries something on Google, we know that it's going to be sent to this high-volume campaign, uh, and it's going to be sent to an exact match keyword. It's going to be sent to a particular you know, group of ad copy that we're testing, and it's going to be sent to a particular campaign, or excuse me, a particular landing page or group of landing pages that we're, we're testing. So that's, that's sort of the, the structure that I have for these high-volume sort of, of known performers. Um, and then secondly, uh, the other type of campaigns that, that I typically use, again, this is just my preferred method, has sort of a, a mixture of, of match types. So these campaigns, their goal is really to just capture the things, um, the queries that are not already known high-volume sort of contributors. So that's the goal here, meaning that we really want to make sure that we capture anything and everything. Um, so we are using a lot of broad match there. What we're using even in some phrase match certainly modified broad match. Um, we could use exact match, but, uh, you know, most of the time those are, those are in alpha. So for these um, 
kale campaigns, what we're really doing is, again, mixing all the other match types together and just trying to control them through, through negatives, also through, uh, obviously, the explicit bid, sometimes budget cap at the campaign level. Um, so so that's, that's typically how we, we sort of answer the question of how do you segment out queries what you're optimizing against and, and queries what you're sort of just capturing and, and controlling the cost. So that's really what it's about, right? It's about control. And this is where I find some people miss things, right? So, so often Google likes to talk about how the world should work as opposed to how it works for us to work in reality. Um, and so I want to just make sure we cover one thing here very explicitly. So a lot of people think of you as the exact match and a broad match of the same word that no matter what happens, Google will always pick the exact match. Now, now, we know that's not really true. Can you just quickly remind us how Google chooses which keyword to show if you have multiples that could be displayed? Yeah, exactly. And actually, just to, to address uh, the, the point that you made, that a lot of people think that they would choose the, the exact match. I mean, I think that's a very valid assumption. If you read some of the, the Google literature, um, they actually say that in, in a couple instances. Um, and maybe we can we can post a, a link to to that article in the notes. Um, so so they say that that's their preference. If you read the bottom of that article, though, they, there's a list of exceptions that they'll make that sort of violate those preferences. And the primary one that we really need to focus on in on is the exception that they make, um, where if multiple uh, you know if one query is matched to multiple keywords, the way that they'll select it is primarily by ad rank. So ad rank, as, as you know, most of us know by now, there's two components. There's quality score, and then there's bid. Uh, if you assume there's not a bunch of variation uh, of your quality score in a lot of instances by match type, what it equates to is Google is just going to send the query to the, the keyword that you're bidding the highest on. And obviously, when you're dealing particularly with high-volume queries, um, that could present a problem because you're paying a lot more than, than you really intend to. Yeah, yeah and so... Sometimes Google likes to take that control back from you, and you can keep with lots of negatives, but it, it's some work. Um, in fact, you know, something I also like to do, but it is also a lot of work, is sometimes I'll group keywords by buying funnel behavior, where I'm thinking about the funnel as it relates to the keyword and the ad and landing page can reflect the current user flow. I think you mentioned this is called mirroring. Um, now, it's a, a lot of work, but it's useful. Um, how often do you, do you find that going to that level is, is actually useful for your client base? I think it's, it's useful all the time. Um, and, and whether, you know, you want to group things by campaign just for your, for your workflow, if that's, that's your desired workflow, or you just want to do it um, within an ad group, I think both are, both are equivalent. Um, but, again, it's just more so your preference. Um, I think mirroring here where, where you're making sure that the, uh, you know, the query is matched to the keyword that you intended to be matched to is being sent to the set of ad tests that you intend to, to be sent, um, sent to. It's also being sent to the proper landing page. is extremely important. Uh, and the reason why that, again, is, is so important is because, you know, most people at this stage, I think, are probably optimizing ad copy to either profit per impression or conversions per impression. But what happens is... Um, if your ad copy isn't aligned well with, with your landing page, you get a lot of false information specifically re regarding the, the conversion rate there. So to really conduct a true test, you need to make sure that there's good alignment there. And furthermore, you need to make sure that you are controlling the queries that are sent to your tests since you've already identified them initially as having the potential to deviate from the norm 
which is why, again, you're testing them separately and, and you're seeing if there's a, a different funnel there that, that those should be sent to. So very important to control the mapping so that the data is valid. Um, otherwise, you're, you're just going to result in, in a lot of bad uh, sort of conclusions. So Microsoft used to have a tool called um, Detecting Online Commercial Intent, which let you see their their thought behind how commercial non commercial keyword was, which kind of let you you have some idea if this was a buy term, a research term, um, etc. And, and they sunset the tool. Do you so do you sort of do this by guesswork of where you think someone is, or have you found another source for sort of correlating where keywords fit into the buying funnel? I think ultimately, um, when somebody queries something, th there's you know, an intent behind that. And that intent is, is probably the same for the vast majority of people. So somebody would click, you know, where to buy an iPad. I think it's a pretty fair assumption to say, well, this person is looking and, and comparing uh, where to buy an iPad for. So I think if you actually read the intent behind the query, I think you can start off with making some, some pretty good assumptions, and I think you'd have 90% uh, accuracy a lot, of, a lot of times. Now, if the particular query that you're testing is high volume enough, Obviously, I wouldn't just say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume this is what people are looking for and then send them to a particular landing page slash funnel. I think in those instances, you would really um, definitely go ahead and do the A-B test or, or the multivariate test or whatever the situation is. But by and large, I think it's pretty safe for this initial bucketing um, to just sort of take a look at what the intent is and then bucket based on uh, what you believe the intent is and then go from there. Um, again, it's very important to have control over, you know, where each query is sent within these buckets so that, so that your data is valid. And it's also important that the account manager uh, or the advertiser have the ability to assess uh, when there's success within a particular segment of a particular bucket and then when there's not. So basically have the ability to identify the situations where the account manager thought, you know, I thought that this was part of the, uh, research intent phase, but it seems like the majority of the people that are coming through this query are actually more so um, a little bit further down the funnel. They're closer to, to the buying stage. So none of this works without good data. Um, you don't have good data without good mappings. Excellent. So, you know, we were, we were emailing back and forth with the show. You said something that I, I just laughed as soon as I saw this. I'd like you to elaborate on a little more. Um, I'm actually going to read this because this is a really good line. Ultimately, I'd like people to understand that most everything they hear about paid search is both likely wrong and likely right at the same time, which it's so true. But um, do you want to elaborate on that just a little bit more? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I write uh, quite a few um, blog posts, and I, and I get people commenting on my posts, and they say, you know, Mike, this doesn't seem applicable to me. And I say, well, you're completely right. It's, it's not applicable to you at all. Um, <laughs> so the, the reason why I say that is because everything is so specific on the volume associated with an individual query. The approaches are very different. And when we're reading sort of literature on paid search, most of the time what people are doing is they're just speaking about their experiences. And a lot of time, you know, somebody will have experience in, in e-com, another person will have experience in lead gen. So, so that person that's speaking about his experiences in e-com, uh, everything he says is most likely right related to the e-com client, but when the lead gen client is reading that, they, they seem to think, you know, this isn't scalable for me or this isn't applicable to me, my landing page selection doesn't matter as much. So it's important that people 
have enough experience and exposure um, to, to make these determinations and, and really just ask <laughs> to, to see if things are applicable to them. What I do think is universally true, though, and which is uh, always going to be right to different extents for every account, is that there are these two buckets. There's sort of high volume where you want to optimize the query that's going to be heavily dependent on a lot of exact match. All your data is going to be very valid there. And then there's going to be the, the tail keywords where it's going to be a cluster of, of queries that all have similar intent or what you know the advertiser believes to be similar intent. So, so that's always true. The strategies around working with those are very different, and those are what you'll see uh, a lot of times when you're reading paid search literature. One, one is more so um, speaking towards query optimization. The other is more so speaking towards query capture. Okay, so we're going to take um, one more break, but you're going to want to stay tuned because Google's about to make a really big change to how exacting phrase match works in some instances. We're going to come back and, and go over that before the end of the show, so let's take a quick break for our sponsors, and then we'll return talking about structure. More Marketing Nirvana after we thank our sponsors. Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS, text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm, sounds expensive. Actually, I sign us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. MySEOTool.com is your all-in-one SEO management resource. MySEOTool.com makes it easy to optimize and oversee all of your SEO efforts. Line-by-line -line detailed reports help you identify any problems and show you how to fix them. MySEOTool.com is completely automated. Once you use it, you will see a rise in your search rankings and traffic. Try MySEOTool risk-free today. Go to MySEOTool.com. MySEOTool.com. In 500 yards, C-P-A way will be on your right. You have reached your destination. On the interstate of Internet marketing, CPA Way helps you monetize the way. No matter which direction you're heading, CPA Way is your route to low-risk revenue. Advertisers, we have paved the way to delivering revenue channels that will meet and exceed your expectations. Publishers, we monitor and manage your campaigns to bring you the most revenue possible. Publishers can feel secure to leverage direct offers, while advertisers can find safety, offering their most... WebmasterRadio.fm, the destination for education and entertainment. Injecting new life into your internet marketing. Welcome back to Marketing Nirvana, presented by CertifiedKnowledge.org, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we're back talking with uh, Mike Nelson uh, about structure. And the last really big question I have is, is just make sure everybody knows this. And this is really important. Google's about to change how they treat exact and phrase match 
if you're opted in and you're opted in by default, you have to unopt out of this, where they're going to show your key or you're going to match your keywords to queries that are similar. Should be misspellings, maybe some word ordering, some single versus plurals. Um, the, the extent of this is not really known. Some people like it, some people don't. There's a lot of, um, a lot of controversy on the settings. So, so Mike, I'd love to get your thoughts around this change. Yeah, I, I like it and I don't like it at the same time. Um, again, speaking to uh, the, the two buckets that, that we're looking at, I think where I don't like this is when, when you're talking about very high volume queries, queries which have enough volume that they can be optimized independently. Um, so, for example, you know, say you're, you're in the mortgage space and you're buying the keyword mortgage rate and mortgage rates and you're sort of trying to figure out, well, do, do I, you know, I let the near match um, be, be enabled. I actually call this fuzzy match. So do I, do I opt out of fuzzy match or do, do I stay opted into fuzzy match? And, and again, the answer to, to me is, well, if both of those queries are high volume, um, you know, keep them separate. Opt out of the fuzzy match in that instance because there's enough data there to optimize those two queries independently. Uh, you know, at that point, it really just becomes about the numbers. They might end up having the exact same bid at the end of the day, but I think you feel confident that, hey, I did my due diligence. I found that these had the same bid, they have the same conversion rates, and they have the same characteristics, but still leave them separately because they're still going to continue to, to accrue enough volume to, to revise that decision down the road. So, so, so those are the instances where I don't like staying opted into the, to the fuzzy match or the near match. So if you segment your campaigns, one's an alpha campaign, one's a beta campaign, then in your alpha right. campaign, you'd leave it off. Your beta campaign, you leave it on, right? Exactly, exactly. Okay. So with the beta, again, as a reminder, these are more so about query capture, and I don't want to sort of imply that we're, we're just you know, putting a bid on there and just letting Google do its thing. There, there's a bunch of other paid search levers that you can really make sure that these, these beta or tail keywords are you know, hitting the, the, the margin goal just, just as the alphas are. But at any rate, for those betas or these tail type of keywords, uh, or excuse me, um, campaigns, I leave the fuzzy match on because the, the goal there is really just to find as many new queries as possible. And over time, if you take a look at the search query report, uh, report you'll see, oh, you know what? There's actually 100 high-volume high queries in here that I feel like I have enough data and they have consistently enough volume that I can go ahead and port those over, over to the alpha, which is not on the fuzzy match or the near match, and, and make an independent decision for that query. So we really use these betas as, as a discovery ground. Um, once we find enough volume there, we go ahead and, and put it into the alpha campaign. And at that point, it's, it's about optimization, and you don't want to have fuzzy match when, when you have enough uh, volume for, for, for a query because, again, you can make an independent decision based on the numbers for that particular query because the, the volume is so high. That's, that's really good advice. I kind of like that thought process. Um, so, hey, thanks for, thanks for being with us today. Um, this has been really good. Um, and, and if someone wants to learn more about you or contact you or PPC Associates, um, where should they look to find you online? Uh, a few places. Uh, so we have the website, obviously, uh, ppcassociates.com. You can go to the website. We have uh, a, lot of, a lot of white papers. We're really about transparency. Um, our, our motto is actually uh, we feel like we're the in-house agency, so you know, an in-house team would share their information, and that's certainly what we do as well. Um, you, know, you can also find me on Twitter, although I'm not a, I say that I'm kind of antisocial because I don't use it much, but uh, I am there, uh, Mike Nelson, PPCA. 
Um, lastly, and, and probably best, if, if you want to contact me directly, feel free to, to send me an email, and it's just mike at ppcassociates.com. And, and I will put that stuff, except your email address, um, on the show notes as well. I, I won't publish your email address, don't worry. Um, and thank you, listeners, for joining us for another episode of Mark and Nirvana. As a reminder, the show notes and other information about our guests can be also found on certifiedknowledge.org. New episodes of Mark and Nirvana can be found at Mondays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find the archives of our past episodes at webmasterradio.fm or on iTunes. Thank you for listening.